Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 319 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. Super thrilled that you are here with me today as I am talking to Alana Quintana Albertson on how to get a TV deal from your book. So I know that that is exciting and so interesting, and she makes it even more interesting. So please stick around for the interview. She was delightful, and you're going to love it. What has been going on around here? Well, I have been, I was just talking to some students about this. I've been concentrating on trying not to frantically flap my wings, but on soaring, using the energy not to flip out, but to wing my way into the air and then soar a little bit. I have been trying to get everything done and sometimes we just can't get everything done. I was hoping to get you a mini coaching uh, extra bonus episode this week and I am not sure if it's going to happen, but we have stacked up some really good questions. So if you are on the mini coaching Patreon level and you've asked me a question and I haven't answered it yet, please know that I'm feeling very guilty about it, but it is coming. It will be coming very soon. But not today. I have had a busy week. I went to a writing retreat. I know I keep doing that. It's annoying and awesome. And I love it. I went to a writing retreat with um, my New Zealand writing besties. And we went back to the same house that we were at probably four or five months ago. And it was gorgeous. We just spent two nights. And we laughed so much. But also, I want to say that we all got so much done. One person started a book. Another another person cheekily started a book that she shouldn't have been starting. Another person basically, well, two of them actually basically started a new business in front of our eyes and wrote a ton of words. I finished Seven Miracles. I finished the developmental edit. Um, while I was there, while I was on Rachel Says Right, which was, it was it just felt so, so, so good. And I sent it off. I pushed it off my desk. It is doing this weird thing where it is going to my agent, as well as sending it to copy edits in case I self-publish it. And I just don't know what's going to happen with that book. And I'm trying to be okay with that. No, I am okay with that. It's actually pretty exciting. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No matter what, it's going to be published. And I'm really proud of it. And my wife just started reading it this morning and she read a third of it in no time and said that she loves it. And that is, I mean, could I ask for more? I don't, I don't think so. And she was laughing and doing all the right things. And I only show her my books very late in the process, you know, pre-copy edit like this. And she's always very good at telling me compliments and also telling me places where things can be improved. And I will 100% listen to her, but it's just so, it felt so good. So that happened this week. And now I'm just catching up on things that I let slide a bit while I was on retreat. And I'm just so happy to be back in the chair and I have energy and excitement. And also I'm going to go to the movies this afternoon. It's Thursday afternoon and I'm going to take off and go to the movies. How fun. A little, a little, um, blowing off of more work where I'm going to be, yes, I'm going to be at the movies where I could be giving you a mini coaching episode, but instead I'm going to give you this one, which is actually 
more important anyway, because we're going to be talking to Alana. So let me give you her bio. Um, Alana Quintana Alverson has written 30 romance novels, rescued 500 death row shelter dogs, and danced 1,000 Roombas. She lives with her husband in sunny San Diego with her two sons and too many pets. Most days she could be found writing her next heart book in a beachfront cafe while sipping an oat milk Mexican mocha or gardening with her children in their backyard orchard and snacking on a juicy blood orange. Ramon A. Julieta is her most recent release, and please enjoy this fantastic interview. Um, I know that you will also get your own writing done. Come tell me about it. I believe in you. Happy writing. And here we go. Hey, would you like to come write with me, with my writing community? At Rachel Says Write, we write together twice a week, every Monday and Wednesday from 5 to 7 Pacific Time, 8 to 10 Eastern Time. We say hi and chat the tiniest little bit, and then together we write. It's truly magical the amount of words we get done together. You want to check it out with a week's free trial to see how it might work for you? Just go to rachelheron.com. Rachel Says Write to join us. All right. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome you to the show today. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you. Will you please share your name with us and your pronouns? Sure. My name is Alana Quintana Albertson. She, her. Thank you very much. Thank you. And if uh, anybody hears the background, it's just the, the gardener just arrived. And he's literally right outside my window right now. So I will speak quickly. Welcome. Um, would you tell us a little bit about your newest book, Ramoni Julieta? Yes. Um, so I say it's a book of my dreams. It's my 30th book, um, but the that. most important book that I've ever written. Um, so it is a romance. I know people get very worried because it's Romeo and Juliet. I promise you, my editor did not allow me to kill anyone, um, though I might have asked her, but no. <laughs> so I promise it's a romance, but it is a um, Latin um, uh, romance, contemporary romance retelling of Romeo and Juliet, um, set at the backdrop of, um, kind of taco wars. And it is about this man who's very wealthy, um, and, um, two Ivy league degrees, kind of like, you know, he's people in Espanol's most eligible bachelor, but, you know, a bit of a player. Um, and uh, on day of the dead, he is in full, uh, makeup and, uh, mar dead mariachi costume. And he meets this breathtakingly beautiful chef Julieta. She's so cool. I want to be like her. Unfortunately, I am nothing like her, um, but she, she's got tattoos and she's a chef at this top seated table taqueria. And so they meet and they kiss in the moonlight. And then the next day he tries to take over her. Um, he tries to buy her block um, yes. and take over her amazing, authentic taqueria and turn it into this kind of like, um, you know, fast foodie taco joint. But then we find out that his father met her mother 40 years ago in Baja, Mexico and stole her taco recipe, which is the basis of his fat, fast food empire. So it's like the Montezes and the campuses and it's got all love and tacos. And um, it was recently optioned and will 100% be a, a television show on your favorite streamer that I can't legally say and it's going to happen. So hopefully by the time this airs, that news will be out, but you will see it on television. So. Congratulations. That is so freaking cool. Tell me about this interesting sentence that you said. It's my 30th book and the book of my heart. How did that come to be? Yeah. So this, I had a really interesting path of publication. I know a lot of people try the trad thing first and then maybe go indie or whatever, but, um, I started my career indie publishing, um, because it was kind of the boom and I had a lot of friends who were making a lot of money. 
Um, and, you know, I do think that I could have probably received a traditional um, contract earlier in my career and um, I didn't pursue it. I had a long, I always say my long suffering agent who's incredible is the best agent ever. And like, for some reason, she never dropped me. So thank you, Jill. I love you. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I really cut my teeth on romance and I really learned how to write. And, um, and, you know, so I wrote, and some of the books did incredibly well. I had a book, um, badass. It was number three in the entire paid Amazon store, not on a sale, not on wow. like a book club, yeah. like actually upon release top 10 for six weeks at multiple top hundred books. But I really, you know, I learned how to write on deadline. I pumped four to six books out a year. Um, and um, I learned really, you know, but they were very tropey and I, nothing against those books. I love them. Um, I am Mexican. I'm half Mexican. Um, my mom is Mexican. And um, some of my characters, actually the majority of my characters um, in some of my books were diverse, but they weren't kind of, this was the book of my dreams. I dreamt of this book. I wanted to write it, but there was a time period that I didn't think I was a good enough writer to write it. There was also like identity issues of, of me thinking like, can I pull this off and stuff? And then finally, uh, and I'd been teasing my, my agent for years. Um, I said, you know, I'm going to give you this book. I'm going to give you this book. And I wouldn't, I would just keep writing these other romance books. And so anyway, the pandemic happened and I sat down and I was like, I'm going to write it. And I wrote the first 50 pages of it. And again, this is the book that I'd been dreaming about, fantasizing about and everything. And I sent it to her. We had an offer by the next day. And then it went, uh, it was about to go to auction. We had a preempt and then same thing in, in Hollywood. Oh, that's so great. Both the rights and then the streamers. And so, um, um, but it is my 30th book and it is like, just every, I mean, the entire experience has been wonderful. Berkeley has been amazing. And it was everything um, that I want, that I wanted. Um, but, you know, I, I really, really kind of um, learned how to write, you know, uh, on my, on my other books, which there's nothing against them. Um, a lot of them are great and they have moments, but I don't think I could have pulled this book off in any shape or form when I started writing. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit about what, because I also come out of romance. What I think romance is the best training. Grade. We are the best genre. It, 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 and it is so, and I believe it's because it's so hard to write. Well, it is so, it's, it's so hard, hard to pit two amazing people against each other in a real organic way that they can't be together without resorting to, you know, tricks um, that when right. we finally learn how to do that, we're really good writers. Right. I, I truly believe that. So I, what I do too. What, what have you, what have you taken out of these romances that you learned how to write? Everything. And so for so much, I know a lot of people start as a romance writer because they love romance. And that also wasn't me. Um, I was an English major at Stanford. Um, I read books by um, dead white men. That was my thing. And then I went to Harvard to get my master's. In, I was, so I was an English major there. And then I went to Harvard to get my master's in education and I'd never seen myself in a contemporary book and I never read romance. I was a literary snob. I read literary yeah. fiction and classics and like, I was too cool. Right. And like, and, um, I hate that, but I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. But I was, you know, that person. And then I read Lisa Valdez Rodriguez's dirty girl social club, which was chiclet at the time. Um, and it was about six college educated Latinas. And I had never seen myself in a book, um, ever. And like, you know, and it was life-changing for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know, like I could see myself in a book. And I think 
you know, cause I'd read all these other books, which I were at the time considered real books. I was like, you know, I can't write American tragedy or like the great Gatsby. So like, it seems super inaccessible to me, but when I read her book, I'm not saying her book wasn't great. It was incredible, but it was like contemporary. I was like, I feel like I could do this. So I started stalking her and then she became a mentor to me and she was amazing and had these uh, lit, lit festivals, um, introduced me to her agent. I didn't sign with her agent. I have a different agent, but, um, she was just so incredible. So anyway, I wrote a chiclet book at the time. I was a competitive ballroom dancer. Uh, the book was horrible. Um, well, I think the, now I think the book is horrible. But at the time, I thought it was really, really good. Um, but it got me my agent, and um, it did not sell. And it was chiclet. And at the time, she told me, "Well, why don't you try writing as romance?" And I was like, "What? I've never read a romance." And uh, so um, I would say, "See, she sentenced me to read a romance." And I was uh, horrified. I mean, she read. I read. Um, Daniel Steele and I loved it. And then I read Kristen Higgins and I was like, why am I that, you know, and I had never read romance. Like, and, and I, you know, I think that there was like a stigma in my circuit, you know? And so I was like, this is the best thing ever. And so then I decided to first start reading it and I devoured it and then start writing. And now of course I'm obsessed with it. And even though I plan to eventually write other types of stuff. I will always write romance. I will always, I'm hoping to always have a romance contract and I'll, and then I, you know, do something else, but I'm um, sorry to answer the question. That was my path, but to answer the question, what, what, why I think romance is incredible besides the full, you know, feminist empowering and billion dollar industry. And it's just like the best people ever, which is my real favorite reason. Um, it gives you a straight, um, a framework, um, to, to write, um, which I think really helps with writer's block. And, um, and I don't believe in writer's block, but we can talk about that in a second, but like, I, there is a path. So one of my, um, many editors, a freelance editor, um, who I use, um, is Gwen Hayes, who wrote Romancing the Beat. And she has a very clear, um, I'm literally, she reads all my books first, every one of my books. And then she helps me with the plot points before I go. And then, and then I, I mean, she is incredible to my process, but getting that framework and then seeing those conflicts. And I'm not a fan of like misunderstanding conflicts, like want that organic. And then, you know, also um, Deborah Dixon, goal conflict motivation, and to really kind of see how the way the characters interact and what's going on. And then to have the freedom to, you know, kind of play with it or whatever, um, to me, gives me a framework that allows me to be my best writer. But also when I'm stuck it the framework, I can go back into the framework and understand what I need to do. So like romance is incredible. And I, since I have written in other genres, mystery, um, thriller, um, women's fiction, uh, just a, a cozy middle grade YA, I write everything, but like, because I've done that, um, you know, to see the way that romance kind of has this kind of glue and format to me, I know that I can get through it because I don't know. Anyway, I just love romance. Romance is the best. And you're my young self. <laughs> you're speaking my language. You know, I also came from the literary tradition. I have written everything, but everything oh, wow. that I have learned came from romance. I got more from, from writing yeah. from, from romance. My first two years with, you know, knowing romance writers than I did getting my master's in creative writing. Like that, that I yeah. got so much from it. So tell us yeah. about your, uh, about your process. How do you get the writing done in yeah. your day-to-day so, life? Okay. So this, okay. So 
it's so funny because I teach writing classes and I always say, do as I say, not as I do. So my fantasy of myself is that um, my fantasy and I tell everyone, you know, and I read this, I have this incredible book I'm looking at. It. It's like a nonfiction atomic habits. And I have this fantasy that I'm going to like make my coffee and like go to coffee house and like look at the ocean and write a chapter and like whatever I and write every day. Like I tell everyone, like it's a muscle. I do not practice what I pe- preach. I am a binge writer and I have fought against this my entire life. Yay, like, I, I want- love hearing this. Tell us more. How does your binging work? <laughs> it's so bad. I literally <laughs> have a deadline and I know I have it. And I do something I call active procrastination where, I mean, I, I've plotted the book. I dream about the book. I like do weird things. Like I dress up like my care. Like I just, it's like this huge, like meta type thing. And then, you know, I like clean my house and I am like super messy. So that's like, you know, that something's happening, like, you know, and then when I can't procrastinate anymore and I literally have like, is my editor listening? Um, like, I have like a week until the deadline, I start freaking out and I pack my bag and I go to a hotel room and I do pull like a full week bender and I write the entire book and I hate it. And then I'm like, I'm never going to do that again. The next book I'm going to write like daily and I'm going to enjoy. And like, I just can't, but anyway, I go into this fugue state and I just write, 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 write. And I get food delivered and like, I don't shower. Like it's so bad. Like I don't see my husband or my kids. And like, I just write and then I like recover and then I do it again. But one day I'm going to write every day and a chapter and be that person I am trying. But maybe you won't. This sounds like your process and it sounds like it's working fantastically. It just doesn't well, sound I like mean, I, maybe I, it's a little stressful at the end there, but. It's very traumatic. Um, I think <laughs> I've never finished a book before like 4 a.m. in the morning of when it's due, possibly later. Um, <laughs> um, but this is a lifelong struggle. Like at Stanford, I was... Um, nominated biggest procrastinator and most likely to be the next Madonna. Like I always procrastinated. Um, like, and I always, I have this little mem framed of this as, uh, if you feel bad about procrastination, Mozart started the aria, um, for like the marriage of Figaro the morning it was about to premiere. It was premiered at 11. He started like seven o'clock. So he's kind of my idol, not comparing myself to Mozart. Um, but for some reason, uh, but, but what I want to say about that, that's a first draft and I know it sucks. And I, that's never, I never publish that. So then, you know, I am a good editor, um, of my own, like, so then, you know, once I've sent it to people like, you know, my, my editors and whatever, I'll come back and I read it. And then I actually make it like a readable thing. Like I wouldn't, you know, publish whatever I wrote then, but that is how I get the story out. Um, and I I've been fighting against that process. Um, I finished now 32 books. Um, so uh, only yeah the 30th is published i finished the next two in the series are not out yet um but yeah anyway so so one day i don't know i would like to invite you to enjoy your process enjoy the procrastination yeah, I, maybe i could maybe i should embrace it i'll teach like binge writing like <laughs> but people would I, sign up for that because really? not okay. enough right. well, we'll not enough it. people talk about it everybody says oh you know i you know i I should, and I do or whatever, but, but a lot of people are binge writers and I love that you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. I mean, and it's like this thing and then I feel guilt about it. And like, but I mean, I can show you like my word count on Scrivener where it's like 12,500, like 732, uh, 7,320, like, and that it's like, it's insane. It's insane. Wow. (laughs) I actually, I have a tiny bit of, of like envy about that. I think that that would be fun and exciting. Um, but yes, yes. Yeah, I think my record is like 14,000 words in a day and that's not dictating like that's actual words. 
yeah. <laughs> I would die. I would die. That is yeah. Yeah. awesome. I, I that die. Is I'm like, what am I doing? Super impressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? I like to cry. I don't know. I think that, like writing to me is therapy. If I haven't made you cry when you're reading my book and my books are romance. Yeah. So of course there's is happiness or whatever, but I really like the emotion of the characters and that's really, and so this is something that I really want to give advice on um, for me as a baby writer, baby Alana writer, she was afraid to feel the emotion. And so a lot of her books and I go back and I want to rewrite, and I do actually, I go back and rewrite my, especially my indie books and the trad, it kills me because I'm not allowed to rewrite it. But like my indie books, like once a year, I'll rewrite one or two and I'll republish them because I'm like, oh, okay. Um, But um, old me, never wanted to go there. I, this is my actual name. Um, this isn't a lecture on pen name or whatever, but this is my legal name. And like, I was afraid of, you know, my mom, my in-laws, my husband. And like, I I didn't want, and not that, I mean, they're wonderful, nothing against them, but I just like, I didn't want these deep emotions. And like, I didn't, um, like if there was a scary part of the story, like I would gloss it over, especially in one of my earlier hits, Mm. you know, and then I like, the reviews were like, they, she didn't really go there. And then I, I was like afraid, you know, there were certain things, this, I write fiction. The reason I write fiction is the best class I ever took at Stanford was called African-American autobiography by professor Horace Porter. I love you. He's my favorite professor ever. And, um, he wore like tweed jackets with like little, he's like what you fantasize your English professor to be with like patches over his shoulder. Yeah. And he was amazing, but he said the most important thing in autobiography isn't what you write. It's what you don't write. It's what you leave out because you can talk. So that's the day I decided to write fiction um, because I was like, I don't want to write, you know. But uh, my point was that he was like, you're not going to really go in deep and talk about this embarrassing a moment or this deep moment where you were in super pain in an autobiography, right? You might want to protect yourself or you might want to do it. And obviously the good ones do that. And that always stuck with me. So, but in fiction, I would stay on the surface. And so um, I finally, I'd say around the 14th or 15th book, I went there and I went into some like really deep stuff. And that's when I started really getting the traction with my fans and people like really identifying like, oh, you know, your book wrecked me. So I want to wreck you. Um, and actually this is a contemporary romance. Again, editor, sorry, it's like a rom-com, but I, I still want you to feel deep, deep emotions and not shy away from that. And to me, that's my favorite part of the process. Like when I'm sobbing in my hotel room, like feeling the pain of my characters. I don't know. I remember, obviously sometimes- I remember one time I was at a cafe and, and uh, I was, I was about to send it off to my agent, this book that I yeah. worked on like so hard and, and the crying fit hit me there outside on a sidewalk. And my wife was sitting opposite me and I just couldn't stop crying. And it was, and I don't usually do that. So, but I remember it, it just felt so good. And also uh, a little bit embarrassing. Yeah. And oh, I love what you say about what did re- your wife say? So, so that's so weird to me because my husband is always like, I'll do like this, you know, weird stuff. Like in public, I'll be like, Oh, my character was just here. Cause it's real to me. And I like, yes. totally like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Or when you hear the song that was on the soundtrack or when you drive oh, totally. by the house that you based it on. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you say about republishing the the indie books too. I recently got the, my first three traditional books back. Ooh, I write back. So, so I dumb. rewrote them and it was so fun to rewrite them with what Isn't I know now. It was such a relief. Yeah. Yeah. And- Cause you're a different person, you're a different writer and you can see it also once you get the distance from the book, I had some books and a lot of people say, Oh, you know, abandon, just keep going. But I had some that I loved so much 
but I wasn't the writer. I couldn't have pulled them off. I didn't pull them off. They did well, but they weren't as like good. And now I'm like, I can actually go into it. And it's fun for me to go back and and do it. Um, and it, 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 it's, it's really, really rewarding. So, um, what you were just saying, the other thing that's tripping me out since my book is going to be made into a television show is, you know, it was always trippy enough to hear my book in audio, but to like the fact, and this hasn't happened yet, but when I'm going to see someone like being Ramon and it's like, yeah. I made you like this full, like Frankenstein type thing, like, like it's going to trip me out so much. Like, I don't even think I can deal with it. I hope that you have people over so, so that you yeah. like have a little party and they can watch oh, totally. you watch the show. That sounds amazing. It's just going to be so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. would love to ask you to share a craft tip with us of any sort. Okay. Okay. I'll give you my best craft tip ever. Okay. And it's not, my, well, it's kind of mine, but whatever. So, um, one of the best classes I took, and I can recommend this for any female writer, Hedgebrook has this incredible program, um, where it's actually free and you go, and it's like this woman's type commune and they call it a writing retreat. I call it a rehab. Like they take your phone and like, like, I literally like thought I was going to die there. I was like, what am I going to do? And like, you have your, you have to build your own fire and like, it's and all they bring you food, work. right? They, or, you, yeah. have, you have one community meal a day, but you make your own food and you're in a forest and it's like super intense. Um, I didn't get to go on the actual, I I never applied for an actual fellowship. I did a one week, um, writer life-changing one week, oh my God, one week, uh, TV writing, um, course with Meredith Stein, um, and Lisa Zerling, Meredith Stein, who was the showrunner of Homeland, Lisa Zerling, um, was a showrunner of CSI, the most brilliant women ever all went like, just, oh my God, like, take me, take me back. Please take me back. Um, but like best experience of my life. Um, my point is, um, so anyway, I was writing the pilot of my TV show and it was just like a different show. Some of the seals, um, that has not been picked up, but, um, um, anyway, so she was reading my dialogue. Now, this, she is an Emmy. She's one of the most highest profile showrunners, and she's just incredible. Like, she was the only woman on the show, like, you know, Homeland, which is kind of a male show. And she really gave, like, Carrie her depth and whatever. But she said, dialogue, three lines, stop. Like, never go longer than three lines. And I'm looking at my dialogue in my books, and I'm like, um, oh gosh, you know, like, and she's just like cutting and like, she destroyed it. It's so good because she edited the pilot now. Like that's all props to her zero to me. But now ever since she said that I've gone through my books and there's price still or whatever, but she said dialogue three lines stop. Like you can't, don't have these long speeches. You know what I mean? Um, and when I did that, it cut up my writing and I've gotten better things. So that's my tip of the, of the year. I absolutely love that. And I love that you worked with them. Talk to us a little bit about, cause I know people will be curious about this. Um, so you had the pilot for the other project, but for this book, I'm assuming that it was picked up, um, on spec and then a pilot was written for you. Is that what happened? Okay. Right. What, so what did that one, feel so like? The only, this is another reason it went trad. So I had this book, um, seven deadly seals that did incredibly well. And it was number two on radish, which is like Netflix for books. Oh, yeah. And it had millions yeah. of paid views and it was like incredible. And I wrote a pilot for it. Um, and then it sucked, but no one cared about that. I did this program that I discussed and she rewrote it and she's like the coolest person ever. And I still couldn't get it looked at. I sent it to people and no one would even touch it because of an indie. And I was like, I've literally sold millions of these and millions, like it was the number two of the entire app and I couldn't get it looked at. So this is kind of why it was this pipe dream with Ramon mm. and it actually happened. So what happened with Ramon, um, and I, I'll say everything I can legally. Um, so basically what happened is uh, the the announcement was in Publishers, Publishers Weekly. Um, and um, then at that point, we had like 
10 offers to read it. And of that, we, we came down to three offers, two producers who wanted to make it and the third who was a film agent. And I almost went with one of the producers because I really liked what they were saying. They had a star attached, but then my film agent, I fell in love with her. Like I'm obsessed with her. And um, she's with uh, William Morris and she was like, and can get at these top people. And so then we had to wait another like long period. And then she sent it to like the name, like, oh my God, I was like fangirling and dying. I can't, but like, I was like, freaking out. She's like, don't fangirl. They're interviewing you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you to like my dream people. Like it was so <laughs> crazy. So then from that, I had, I think six or seven calls and then it got down to four offers and there was this bidding war. And then I signed with my dream team who I'm obsessed with. And so they had producers and then the producers and it was all women. And it was just like this, like, I love you all. And like, it was just like amazing. So then we had our list of our dream um, showrunners and our number one person was here and we had all these other people. We never thought we'd get the number one. And at that time they were like, you'll, you could be totally involved in whatever. But then the number one person wanted it and I can't say her name yet, but like, and she like, and we never, like, she was like, you know, Holy grail, like right. you're never going to get her, but here are all these other incredible women, but she wanted it. So she took it and she wrote the pilot and sold and it's yeah. And so, um, yeah. Did I you get to read the pilot then after she wrote I it? I have not read it, but oh, I had a, interesting. A, a conversation with her and it's strict to my book and it starts exactly where it starts and it ends where, so like it is right wow. with my book, which that is the only, and I said to her, you know, I told her about my brief experience, um, <laughs> my one week of, of TV writing experience. And, you know, I said, this is your kitchen. You're incredible. Like you're one of the top, you know, you know, one of only, you know, like three Latina showrunners in Hollywood. And you're just like, and I'm obsessed with you. Um, you know, you do your job and I do mine. I am hoping, um, there was a time that my film agent talked about me being in the writer's room. And so I would love that opportunity. And I make good coffee. I cook, <laughs> like, I promise not to be like, well, you know what, Ramon wouldn't say that. Cause like I made him like, I, pro I promise to behave. I don't think, I don't know if they, but regardless. So she wrote the pilot. I had nothing to do with it. Um, but Obviously, I, you know, my dream streamer bought it and it's, and it's, it starts exactly where, and it ends when they find out, uh, when she finds out who it is. So it's close to my book and I'm super grateful and I haven't read it, um, but I trust her implicitly and her show is, are incredible. And I'm like literally dying. Like, it's just the most, I thing. love but this like, excitement in your voice, like the excitement in your voice, the excitement on your face. You are just so delightful. And this is so oh, fun you. to vicariously experience this through you, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much. And awesome. this is something I wanted to share because when this was my weird fantasy, I know I knew nobody who had gone through with this and I would always ask in Google and it was like always this weird random story like one day I was walking the grocery store and someone got, you know what I mean it was just like and so I was like tell like how did this happen how can I get this to happen and um, but to me it was still like you know, I don't mean, it was like the alignment of the universe, but it was, you know, pretty much all these incredible. Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Why don't, why don't I ask you that? If you were to give, um, somebody who wanted to be you to be sitting where you are sitting, uh, three pieces of advice, what three simple things that they could do if you, if they want to someday sell a streaming show. Yeah, absolutely. Number one, come up with a super high concept book. So I have friends that, um, I think are incredible better, way better writers than me. Right. So like, and then this isn't like, I'm not putting myself down and I'm not like being conceited or whatever, but like, I mean, I'll read some books. I'm like, Oh my God, like, why can I not like write like this? Like, and I yeah. just, I'm like, ah, and it has nothing to, so I, you know, not, and we're talking about craft. I'm all about craft and I can definitely be a big writer, but I think 
where I've always excelled is my high concept. And mm-hmm. so my, I write my log line before I write ever, I buy anything. Right. So mine was crazy rich Mexicans. So, you know, crazy rich Asians, Mexican, you know what I mean? And so that was it like, you know, and, <gasps> and they talk about for, for people who don't, who, who haven't heard these words oh, before, sorry. if you're, if you're like new to the, new to the show, yeah. like a log line is just a one sentence description of what it is. And when you're talking about a high concept, uh, right. premise, a high concept log line. Um, it should be something that you can say quickly and that tells you everything. And right. what you just did when you said crazy rich Mexicans, you did that high concept. Right. I saw everything. Yeah. It just unfolded in front of my eyes and I wanted to put my money down. So right. perfect. Go on. Right. So it was, yeah. So it was, you know, the crazy rich Asians, but Mexican like set in Southern California with like, you know, and so, so the first thing is it has to be high concept. I don't care how great your book is. If it's not something that is going to um, capture the people. So what you want it, they want familiar, which is also why I did Romeo and Juliet. They want it new, but different and, and whatever is like trending. So number one, it has to be kind of slow. So that's my number one thing. Number two, um, you know, it's so, so if you wanted to be that, and so I, this is hard for me because I was the biggest advocate of being indie and whatever. And like, I'll still get some of my amazing indie friends and they're like, but don't you think, you know, if you had a top, top indie book, it could be, and yeah, every now and then it could be one example, sex life, baby beast. And that was indie. However, I can tell you from my experience, my seven deadly seals was the number two on Radish with millions and millions of paid views and a pilot written by the showrunner of Homeland. Well, I mean, I wrote it, but she edited it and whatever. I couldn't get it looked at. I also had a book, Badass. It was number three in the entire Amazon store. No one would look at it, right? So for me, I had to go trad. That is why I went trad. And I don't want to say that because I do think there's a slight chance if your amazing indie book could, but it's better with trad. Like for, I don't know, I, I announced it and I got offers. So that's number yeah. two. And number three is really... I, I would say temperance, which, um, is my favorite tarot uh, card. I, I, I think that I just, I just drew a temperance yesterday, actually. Oh, really? It's funny. Yeah. I have a necklace. I need to find it. It's so good. Since I was like seven that I had, it. it's like a little tarot. What does it mean? What does it mean to you for people who are not familiar? So I have the, and I totally struggle with temperance if you can't tell, like, but like the thing is that, this was a very, I mean, it seems like an overnight success, but it was a very long process. Um, and for someone who, when I wrote my indie books would just like finish a book, you know, you know, get drunk and press publish, which was my favorite, you know what I mean? Like this was, I had to write, you know, write the book and sell it and then do it on spec and then wait for the offers. And then we had the agent and then I had to wait another six months. And then I was, you know, we got the producers and like, this took forever. And then we were going to get that. And like, it killed me. Like, you know, like it was amazing, but, and there were different points where I could feel like, you know, it like that. I just wanted to be like, what's it, you know what I mean? And it's like, this is not, it's a totally different world and it's nothing like, you know, you know, publishing is publishing and right. And this is that, and you just have to kind of go with the flow. And it was such a struggle and you just kind of have to let it happen. And, Oh, you said three, I'm going to give you one more. If it doesn't happen with this book, what I see a lot with people be like, they'll just keep doing it. They'll write another screenplay for it. They'll adapt that book and whatever, you know what, you got to move to your next idea. Right. Like, and just keep, and you know, that one still might come back, but I find people fixate on their dream book. And I mean, I get it. Cause I still am like seven deadly seals. Why are you not making this one? This is the one, but like, nobody cares. Right. So I did the next one. Right. And I could still be in that yeah. kind of state. So you do have to move on. It's like a relationship. Like, you know, it's your ex and it was great for a while, but you got, you got to, you, you got to recover you gotta and you got to move on. Right. Yeah. Past. Right. So, oh my gosh, this is all such great advice. I love this. Okay. Um, what's the best book that you have read recently? Why did you love it? 
picking a child a hundred percent. Uh, Oh, two, uh, one, um, from scratch by Tembi Locke. And I just read it and I can show you, uh, uh, it's a memoir. Um, and I just met her at Pasadena lit fest and it's this incredible, where is it? I just had it. It's this incredible, um, memoir of this, um, uh, black woman who, uh, goes to, abroad to Florence, falls madly in love, um, marries uh, this man. Um, he's from Sicily. They adopt a daughter and then he dies of cancer. And, um, and then she goes back to Sicily to bond with his family who initially didn't accept them lyrically. Wonderful. Beautiful. Oh my God. Just, she writes like, and hers will be a Netflix show and I've met her and she's lovely and I'm obsessed with her. So anyway, that book just was like, absolutely blew me away. The other book that I just read, um, that I love is, um, uh, the last revival of Opal and Nev, um, which is, um, about, um, a black folk singer or, uh, a, a black female artist who falls in love with a British folk singer. Um, and that one's absolutely incredible. Um, that sounds lovely. These are yeah. great. I'm just going to go put them into my so wish list as, soon as, as yeah. soon as we hang up here. But um, yeah. Ramon and Julieta, is, uh, when does it come out? It came out on February 1st or February, right. 7th, right, February yes. 1st of 2000, uh, this year. Uh, 2022. 2022. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just such an incredible release. And I think that's something I wanted to say. So I've been indie forever. One of the best things for me about being trad is like, I'm finally invited to lit conferences and like went to the Tucson literary. And like, it's just been really wonderful to finally like, you know, do that in the libraries and things like that and really connecting. Um, and I didn't have those opportunities before indie, even though some of my books did incredibly well. Um, so, um, you know, you, you lose a lot of control, but just kind of that trad world has been amazing. And it's kind of also nice to kind of take that step back and like, instead of me wearing all the hats, have other people who are cooler than me, you know, guide me and, and what, um, even though, you know, it's frustrating times, like, because I've always done it myself, you know? So, yeah. Your enthusiasm for all of this is so awesome. And it's been so, so, so fun to talk to you. Where can we find you online? Um, like Instagram's my, my drug of choice. I'm trying to get into TikTok, but, um, that's where I want to be, but we're not there yet. So right, right now it's Instagram. I despise Facebook so much, but I'm like on it. So I'm, I just, I can't, and, um, you'll never see me on Twitter. I mean, every now and then I'll do it, but, I just, but anyway, yeah, at the moment it, it's Instagram, but soon to be TikTok. I will, I will. <laughs> we will keep an eye out for you there and we will keep an eye out for the show as well as your book. Thank you. Thank and the you second so book much. real quick, the second yes, book, please don't. more, which Aww. I'm in love with. So the kiss me, kiss me, me and more is coming out May 2nd of next year. Um, and it is a taming of the shrew retelling. Um, and it's about 10, um, Mexican daughters. My mom was nine of 10, um, and they're migrant farm workers and the middle brother goes to the, the, um, to try to get guidance from her because she owns her own farm. She's a migrant, but she went to school and then bought the own farm. And um, he, uh, she hates him, of course. And then um, he agrees to be Joseph in the Posadas, um, like just to be close to her. And like, yeah, her dad thinks she's her boyfriend and he, he's like, the dad's dying. So he's all so excited that she has a boyfriend. She lies. says this is like fake romance. It's going to be amazing. The cover's beautiful, but it's not out it's not out yet but yeah so that's, that's where, where are you in the writing process of it 
Oh, I finished. So I finished all the books on my contract. And I'm just okay. sitting here for it. Like, I'm cool. like, I've written them all. I don't know what to, it's really hard for me because I'm like, uh, and I've been stockpiling my indie books because I've been on this contract and I'm only allowed to release yeah. some windows. So like, I may release like 30 books between like now and <laughs> when the next, I mean, like, a book boom, 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 boom. Yeah. like I, I, yeah, I have nothing to do. So <laughs> thank you so much for talking to us. I, so my cheeks hurt. It has just been so fun talking to you. Okay. All right. Well, thank we'll, so we'll watch your star me. rise. Bye. Okay. Thank you. you. I'll I'll come invite me back anytime. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>